Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're going to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. Yes, we are. We are at episode 121. We are almost done with season <laughs> one. I never thought the day would come. I know. My God. I mean, this <laughs> is so bittersweet. I mean, I'm acting like it's over, over. Yeah. We're just coming to the end of season one, but I mean, we've made it. Yeah. And um, we picked up a lot of friends along this way with us. So thank you guys for being on this journey yes, with us. Thank you. Whether you started with us from the very beginning or caught us somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. Thank yeah, you very much. We're just happy to have you. Yeah, we're exactly. We're on this ride together. But yeah, as we approach the end of this season, I just have a lot of feelings and emotions and thoughts and <laughs> I'm excited and nervous and... <laughs> yeah, me too. I was up and down. This I was like, oh my God, it was so much going on. I mean, from legal issues, you know, to friendships and new lives. I mean, it was so much all over the place, girl. All yeah. over the place. But I was here for it. All right. Well, we might as well jump into it because I know people are very eager to see what you are going to have to say about the next episode. So oh. we better get this one in the bag. Let's first. go. I'm here for it. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, we start out at the Atlas Awards and Adam Lyons is there presenting Pittsburgh's Ad Person of the Year. And he says that one of the sayings that the firm where he works is, the only thing better than sex is a great ad campaign. And so um, when he announces the winner, it is, of course, our very own Brian Kinney. And he's attending the awards with Cynthia, his assistant. And it's clear that she knows Brian well, because when he's announced as the winner, she says, go get him, Tiger. And then she says, the award, I mean. <laughs> well, she knows Brian gives great ad. Okay. <laughs> that he does. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm and, but this is Brian Kinney, of course. So he tries out a line on the guy. And, of course, Adam is gay or at least questioning because every man <laughs> within like a 50-mile radius of Brian is gay or questioning. I'm telling you. He brings something out of him, girl. He brings something he out. Does. Uh, so while the event is winding down and people are socializing below, Adam is getting a chance to find out if Brian truly is the best to ever do it there in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, I think he gave him the taste of Pennsylvania for sure. Okay. Just gave him a little, yeah. little bit, just a little, little yeah. taste, a little sample of what, what's to come, you know, yeah, and- literally what's to come. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, and we see Cynthia waiting for her boss. Like I'm sure she's done at least once or twice. And, you know, such is the life of being in Brian Kenny's entourage, just having to wait around for him. Because, <laughs> Yo, you know, at some point of the night, he's going to do that disappearing act. Oh, yeah. That's and he's, definitely going to happen. Yeah. He's going to need someone to drive him, wait on him, stroke his ego, something. You're going to be there for <laughs> Brian. Okay. Yeah. For hours, yeah, probably. The event is not over until Brian is dead. That part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then Vic is sitting in the living room. He's there with Debbie and Michael, Mel and Justin. And he's telling Mel what happened in the bathroom with the cop. When we left Vic in the last episode, he had been accused of indecent exposure by that cop mm-hmm. in like an undercover sting. And I mentioned this in the last podcast, but... That wasn't just a contrived plot for Queer's Folk. Um, as I mentioned, I read a similar about a similar scene that happened in 2019. And that's just because I haven't researched it since then. So not to say that nothing has happened since then. But it sounds like something we would expect in the 60s, 70s, yeah. maybe even the 80s. Right. But a year ago, this kind of stuff is still going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, it's still happening. I mean, believe it or not, we are still fighting for these rights. You know, yeah. like, yes, we've made excellent strides for it. But there's still going to be that opposition that's holding us back, you know, and that's why we continue to fight. we got to continue to stand up. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely happening out here in this community. Yeah. Well, even while Vic is talking, Michael tells a story about a similar thing. Mm -hmm. And as Justin's listening, 
he's learning that sometimes the people put in place to protect and serve can be the people you need protection from. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to get political here or anything, but I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yet there are those who consider this show to be dated. No. Anyway. And that's why I really um, connected when you asked me to come back. I'm asking me to join you on this journey is because after watching the first couple of episodes, you can still see how relatable and yeah, how, how these, yeah, yeah, and how relevant all of these situations are still now to this day. And, you know, 2020 when we started and then 2021 now that we're continuing, I mean, and we're still going through the same battle. So, I mean, we got to keep talking about it because yeah. if you don't talk about it, it's going to continue to happen. If we don't give that fight, we're going to be, you know, in a way um, far worse um, position than we are in right now. Well, speaking along those lines, Justin is riled up about this you yeah. know, when he hears it. And um, Justin tells Vic, he's like, well, you better fight it. And Deb steps in and tells him not to put ideas in Vic's head. And Justin says, well, you told me to fight. Yeah. Referring to the gay-straight alliance at his school. Mm-hmm. And Debbie says, well, that's different because you're young and you're healthy. And I think that's an interesting bit of, um, you know, just brings up some good social commentary for where we are in the world now. And, you know... I understand why a lot of times the older generation will leave activism to the younger kids because, like, they're more motivated. Um, they've got more time on their hands. They don't have the responsibilities and obligations. But it's just a tricky thing when you teach them there's a certain age where the fight isn't worth it anymore. Right, yeah. You know? <laughs> but, you know, what? I don't think Justin will ever lose that fire in him. You know, he will always be- fight for what he believes in and fight for what's right, you know. Yeah. But I can see what's, um, where Deb is coming from, though. Oh, absolutely. She's being... You know, Big Sister 101, extremely protective. She knows what um, is going to be coming if mm-hmm. he does pursue this, if he does fight. How, you know, they could easily drag his name through the mud, especially with him being gay. And it's not, you know, hugely accepted. I mean, so she knows that it's going to be a very, very hard battle for him. And then he's already sick with HIV or AIDS. And um, so it's it's just going to be rough. No, I know exactly where Debbie is coming from. But um, but yeah, it's just kind of interesting to see it from in that scene where you have a member of the older generation of the gay community and a mem- member, a younger mm-hmm. member of the community, and just to see the differences, the differences, and mm-hmm. yeah, and how they um, approach that. Uh, but anyway, Debbie asks, "Well, what are the other options? You know, if we're not going to fight it, what are the other options?" And Mel says, "Well, he can plead guilty. He'll get a fine, and it will go on his record." And, of course, this means that he'd have to register as a sex offender. Oh, no. And that's a big deal. That's huge. I'm going to make a slight leap here, but I'm pretty sure Deb babysits Gus in that home. It's possible that Vic would not be allowed to be there when Gus was there if he had to register as a sex offender. And that's just like one of the things. Yeah, because we don't know if they live near a school. We don't know if they live near a church or any of those other things that go, you know, along with that, that type of charge. So... I mean, I know she doesn't want him to fight, but I mean, you also got to see the whole picture. And not to mention, he would have that tag on him forever and ever. Amen. Ever, forever. And then we kind of see the gravity of that on Vic's face. And Justin comes over and reminds Vic that he could plead not guilty. And Debbie basically tells him to shut up. (laughs) One more word and you're going to your room without eating, sir. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so Mel tells Vic that pleading guilty would result in a trial and he'd have to take the stand and Vic doesn't think he can take that kind of stress. Right. Uh, so Michael tells him, you know, well, no one will know what's on your record. And Justin tells Vic, 
you will. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love that. Like, yes, do not fold. You got to have more integrity, more pride in yourself. I mean, this is your name out here that you got to fight for. Who wants to be labeled, you know, a, a sex predator? No one. When wants you didn't to be... do anything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No one wants to be labeled that. I'm not going to just roll over and take it. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fight for it. And um, just to piggyback on what we were talking about earlier, also, the difference is, is because I think when you're young, also, you're fearless. You'll go out there. Right. You don't overthink it. You'll just jump in and go for it. Whereas you get older, your mind starts overthinking things and right. you get nervous and you back out. You don't have the same courage and guts and that you had when you were younger. Stake. Yeah, and there's more at stake. You know, when you're 18, 19, you can afford those mistakes. And and I, I love that Justin is like all for it. He's going to jump in. I'm going to do what it takes, you know? Yeah, yeah, that is him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, like I said, that's very just important and interesting look at um, social commentary that's still relevant today. Yeah, but like we said, you know, I fully understand the situation here, why Debbie is telling Vic to just take it. But I do think you have to ask, what that shows Justin. Yeah. Uh, a young man who has spent the last several months having to fight with his family, his fellow students, and school faculty just to be able to be himself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you just have to be careful in t- showing him there's a point in time when the fight is not worth it. But like you said, I think that fight is just in in Justin. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, back over at the awards ceremony, Brian and Adam are uh, putting themselves back together. And Adam basically tells him that he's wasting his talents there in Pittsburgh and that he should be in New York. You know, tells him you're too good to be here. And Brian says, well, but the cost of living is so high. Basically, I get more bang for my buck right. if I'm here. And Adam says that he's 27 and he just bought an amazing duplex in Soho. And I love Brian's response because he says, <laughs> oh, we're the same age. Straight up lies. Lies. Straight <laughs> you up You are lies. 29, dude. Exactly. But you know what? He looks young, though. He carries it very well. Okay. He does. Let him you know, de-age himself, okay, if he wants to. <laughs> but it does, it. it does say something about the way Brian's mind works and yeah. what's important to him and what he... What his concerns are, what his fears are, you mm-hmm. know, and to see some younger guy who is killing it in New York mm-hmm. to Brian, that kind of messes with him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, true. It's a competitiveness in him anyway. Yeah. And Adam tells him that there's an opening at his agency in New York and he'd be happy to put in a good word, which is just an easy and obvious opening for Brian to ask if there's anything else he'd be happy to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, he starts to undo the zipper that he like just pulled up. Uh, so by the look on Brian's face, he's got some things to think about because uh, he's a big fish in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but uh, he's thinking, yeah, but that's in Pittsburgh. So here's a younger guy who is doing better than him and making more than him in a larger market. Yes. And like I said, that kind of that bothers Brian a little bit. It makes his accomplishments and his, I don't know, like gravitas small, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it makes it seem less significant. Mm-hmm. So I do think that Brian having Adam on his knees in front of him is a way to... a power to, trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. power thing, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it's definitely like, okay, <laughs> you may own the power when it comes to the ad world, but right I mean, now... He's like bringing yeah, him back down. Yeah, bringing him back level. down. Yeah. That was okay, some good symbolism right there. I'm glad you picked up on that too because I was like, uh, because if Brian was just like ready for round two. Right. I'm, this was a corporate event, so I'm sure the night is still fairly young. He could have gone out to Woody's or Babylon. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, in that moment, he just needed to. Yeah, like, okay, I'm going to show you who's boss. Okay. <laughs> it was a power move for sure. Yeah. Because I think Brian is a very sexual being, and sometimes for him, sex really is just sex. But I think other times it's about, like, pain management or power, like we said, mm-hmm. or needing to establish or regain control 
in in some way. So yeah. Right. Yeah. No. It, it really is. Then uh, we see Doctor David, and he's sitting in the dark when Michael gets home. And he tells Michael that he received a call from Lori, that's his ex-wife. Yes. And she said that uh, she and Gary are getting a divorce. When Michael walked in, he was sitting in the dark room. I was thinking the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, he finna break up with Michael. Um, he just got a phone call. Nobody could reach Michael. Somebody's dead. Michael Michael cheated on him again. You know, like, I mean, I was just going to the worst. You know, yeah. I was going for the absolute worst. Um, my heart was, like, just pounding out of my chest. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's about Lori, the ex-wife. And, of course, that's going to affect Hank. He's That's his son. He mm-hmm. says that Hank is upset. And if you recall, when we met Hank... He was referring to Gary as dad. Yeah, so you they're can see how close pretty they close. Were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so Doctor David is feeling down on himself about the whole thing because he says this will be the second dad that Hank has lost, and you know Hank's angry. He's going to quit the hockey team. His grades stink. So yeah, it's not good yeah. times for Hank. No, it's tough, and I, I agree with Doctor David. I mean, you know, it's it's not. Hank, you know, maybe he could be feeling like, hey, maybe the same thing Justin was kind of going through. Like, oh, my God, second time this happened. Clearly, it's me. You know, yeah. like these are great guys and they're leaving, you know. And the fact that he was calling Gary that dad, that shows their type of relationship they have. They're very close because you will see a lot of times in different shows, different movies. Just because the mom remarries, the child never attaches to them like that, never yeah. gives them type of respect and love to call them dad. So clearly we can see how close they are. And also the whole time, all he did was speak about, oh, well, Gary's doing this, Gary doing that, you know, dad, 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 dad. He's taking me here. So maybe he's feeling like, you know, something's wrong with me, you know, yeah. like maybe I caused this rift and I'm losing another best friend. He lost his real dad. Now he's losing Gary. So, I mean, I think that's why he's lashing out. Yeah. And I love Michael's response. I thought it was very mature and supportive. He says, okay, what's the plan? Like there's a problem. With I love son. What's the plan? And he tells them a real trip would accomplish more than a guilt trip. Uh, basically saying your son needs you. Yeah. Okay, when are you going? What's the plan? This is why I love Michael. I know Michael has been on my last nerve these last couple episodes, (laughs) but this is why I love him. Like, now we're getting back to the real Michael roots. He's happy, so he's focusing on happy things, you know? And he's there for his man and there for his man's son. And that's why I rock with him heavy. That was really sweet. Like, hey... Do I need to make any calls? What do I need to, what I need to book? Flights, hotels? What, what do you need me to do? You know, like, I was here for that. That was so sweet. Yeah. I think when Michael can get out of his own way, then he's really good at seeing what his friends or loved ones mm-hmm. need and mm-hmm. being able to support them when he can get out of his own way. Yes, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we see that Dr. David is already packed and he has booked a flight to Portland. And part of me wanted to be like, okay, well, he just made all these decisions without Michael. Again? But, yeah, again, yes. Uh, but I guess on the other side of that same coin, it's, well, this is his My son. son. And mm-hmm. that is, that's something that predates Michael. He makes it clear. It's not because he's more important to you, but mm-hmm. right now... He I'm needed over me. there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Michael understands that. Because uh, Michael tells him he's a great dad for dropping everything to go see his son. And again, we get just a little reminder here of how much Michael idolizes the idea of a father. Uh-huh. Um, just a small part of me wonders if that's part of what attracts him to Dr. David because he's the older. The dad fantasy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, I he has daddy I mean, issues. I'm just going to throw that on the table and you can either leave it there or take it. Well, I didn't cut me a slice because that's what I believe. <laughs> I'm cutting me a little piece of that pie. I think he definitely got you know, a little fetish, a little daddy fetish. Yeah, it could be. So he's sexy as daddy. <laughs> God. So Michael tells us that this will be the first time that they've been apart since Michael has moved in. 
And he says it's going to be weird. Um, makes a promise that he'll miss him. So they have them a cute little couple moment oh, before. It was adorbs, okay? I loved it. <laughs> so then Ted and Blake arrive at the diner. And Blake is scanning the help wanted ads for a job. My guess is that Blake is in his like really early 20s. Mm-hmm. Probably no college experience. He's a party boy. Um, Probably no real job experience. And so he's not very hopeful when he's looking at these <laughs> ads. But here's Ted encouraging him, telling him how proud he is, telling him it'll work out, it'll be fine. You need that in your corner. Even if you don't even believe it, say it to your partner to build him up because clearly he needs some type of confidence booster. He always got his confidence for when drugs, when he was high. You can see that's when he was most confident, when he he felt fearless off the drugs. So now that he's going clean and sober, he needs those confidence boosts. Yeah, well, because he called himself a crystal freak. Yeah. And Ted's like, no, that's not who you are. You're making great strides. Mm -hmm. And then... Blake tells him, yeah, well, it's because of you. So, yeah. Well, Emmett sees them all coupled up <laughs> at the door, and he is disgusted. <laughs> and Brian and Michael are there in the booth with Emmett, and they just kind of look at him like, are you still on that? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, get over it now. Like, like we all yeah, It's happening this. now, dude. Um, so Ted and Blake join them in their booth, and they are just so cute. I mean, legit couple. Mm-hmm. And Brian says, Ted Schmidt, happy at last. Who would have thought? <laughs> and, you know, I think even with Blake's issues, that this is what Ted wanted. Yeah. Like a hot, young, blonde twink that he could dote on and take care of. Yep. Uh, now, of course, he would prefer to not have to deal with the whole addiction thing. But <laughs> but also, I think it gives him something to work with. Like well, a yeah, fixer he wants a, yeah. yeah, he wants that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Blake is checking off a lot of Ted's boxes. Yeah, seriously. I think they complement each other very well. Yeah. It wakes Ted up because he lives a semi-boring life. He always he deals in numbers nonstop. And um, this is something that's um, out of the ordinary for him. You yeah. know, it's not his normal routine. Yeah. Well, Michael is a little jealous of the PDA because his man is out of town. (laughs) So, uh, Justin is working at the diner this morning and he comes over to their table to see if they've checked out the new waiter. Well, Brian clocks him and he's like, you call that hot? (laughs) Justin responds like, uh, yeah. Yeah, who else doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) To which Brian says, at your age, I guess you would. Uh, okay, pause. Is Brian jealous here, do you think? Um, no, no, we're going to get into what comes I don't, up next. I don't, mm, I wouldn't say jealous. Well, maybe, maybe a little hint of jealousy, like, okay, please, you're trying to say this dude can hold a candle to me? Maybe. I really wouldn't call it jealous, but maybe like, how dare you? The audacity, audacity <laughs> that you're either going to compare him to this great greatness over here, you know? I wouldn't call it like extreme yeah, jealousy. I think he, he feels a way about it. Yeah, I don't know he what feels that way, way. Is, yeah, he feels a way yeah. because we know that Brian is sensitive about anything related to age and aging. Yep. And so it could be because here's some hot new young guy on the scene. Um, it could be because Justin sees some hot new young guy yeah. on the scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I do think he he definitely feels a way about it. Yeah, he you can see you can see that he feels a way, but I don't think that he's extremely intimidated. You no, know? no, no. He's not threatened by yeah. the guy. Uh, I don't know, annoyed, bothered. I don't know. I don't know the Mm -hmm. emotion, but there's something. Yeah. Or at least I think. Um, Okay. So Michael says, and at your age, you wouldn't. Brian says, I've moved beyond that. And they're all like, since (laughs) when? (laughs) They are buying it. so funny. They're not buying it for one second. And Brian says, since last night, I did the hottest guy in days. In Justin's face. Poor baby. I felt so bad. I I know. Brian gets on my nerves, okay? Gets on my nerves. He's heartless at times. You know, I just wanted to grab Justin and hug him and say, yes. you know, Brian doesn't mean it. He's emotionally <laughs> stunted and he yes. has to act like a jerk when his feelings start to feel things. Yes. 
<laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, that made me think about the jealousy thing because I also wondered if that was him throwing shots at Justin because of the whole hot waiter thing. Mm. Um, but he's so freaking complicated sometimes. Like, it could be that or it could be nothing. Right. But, yeah. Anyway. But that's how he drops the bomb on them as well about the whole yeah. New York situation. Well, and let me just say before we get to that, Adam was I. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. like. He's no Justin. <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, he, he was cute. I mean, yeah, but to he, be honest, he, he looked older than 27 he really to me. Did. I mean, add 10 years of that, baby. Said, like, <laughs> next? No. You are not 27, boo. If you are that fast life of the city, that concrete jungle <laughs> tearing you up, baby. Tearing you up. You need to drink more water. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Anyway, next. Uh, so, yes, this is when Brian tells them about Adam. He says he's an ad exec from New York, and he told Brian that he was wasting his time in Pittsburgh and that he should be there in New York. And Ted chimes in, I bet he says that to all the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, yeah, and Brian tells him what he actually said was that there's a job for him and his agency, or there's a job at his agency that Brian would be perfect for. And Brian tells them that he faxed his resume. And don't even start on him faxing his resume and saying that's old because I faxed the resume last year. Girl, you still faxing resumes? Yes. And you know, you can just upload that and send that via you know, email. they wanted it by fax. That's weird. So they're outdated. Okay, but I understand why they he's are. faxing. This is in 2000, so I understand why he's faxing. You know, I get it. Yeah. Well, I use a typewriter at work still sometimes. Oh, so. Lord. <laughs> no, we, you will not. Never admit that again. It's awful. When I'm yeah. <laughs> Sting. Never, never admit that again. Lord have mercy. Okay. So Justin hears this and asks, so if you get the job, you're leaving? And Brian says, not if, when? And Emmett looks at Justin to check on him because he knows how real and deep Justin's feelings are for Brian. Mm -hmm. And I think that he knows that both Brian and Justin will try to save face in front of everyone else. But he's not so easily fooled by that. Right. In the past two episodes, we've seen... Emmett be very outspoken when it comes to loving and protecting his friends. But here we see the subtle way that Emmett shows care and concern for mm -hmm. them too. We've seen it yeah. periodically, but we get to see well, it. Right he didn't again. want to overstep his bounds, you know, right. because they're not a full on couple, you know, right. but at the same time, they spend a lot of time together. And like you said, he knows the love um, that Justin has for Brian. Yeah. But he also knows how Brian operate Brian's uh how Brian operates. Right. So he I knows mean, there's nothing he can do. Yeah, there's nothing it. he can do, but mm -hmm. he can definitely, you know, be there for Justin. Yeah. You know? And I think he I think he would be, you know. Mm hmm And I mean you could see Justin's face, you know, kinda like going to distress a little bit once yeah. he says that. Well he yeah, he tries to quickly yeah. school his features and he walks away with a half smile and then Brian's just kinda like like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, then Ted, Emmett, and Michael have left the diner. And as they're walking, Emmett asks if they think Brian was being serious. Like, did he really mean it? And Michael says, of course not. He's showing off. Emmett says, I don't know. He sounded serious. And Ted says his resume will just go into a pile. And Michael says there are probably a thousand people clamoring for the same job. And then Ted's like, oh, he'll never get it. Which, okay, to realistic lowered expectations but dang dog this is your friend yeah <laughs> damn y'all have no faith in this man no. okay he just got the award for best ad in pennsylvania why couldn't he be a top contender right. in new york you right. know like come on have a little more faith in him i mean guy <laughs> if you, he made y'all cool in the first place yeah so how dare you be disrespectful on his name like that but anyway but yeah as i digress <laughs> So Ted gets a call from Mel, and as he's answering his call, Emmett and Michael walk off, and Emmett is asking Michael about what's going on with Vic's situation. Uh, Ted's phone call is from Melanie, and he's asking for a favor. 
He says that Blake is thinking of becoming a paralegal and asks Mel if there's a place in her firm. And she says that there really isn't, but she's going to help Ted out. And she says, you know, maybe we can take him on as a temp. She's basically doing this for Ted, but also she references when Blake helped them out with the Vic situation Mm -hmm. when he needed the money. So then we see Emmett shredding down the alley and he has taken a pecan pie to Vic. Do you say pecan or pecan? No, I was going to say something (laughs) to you when you said that, you know, it's pecan. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. guess it's a regional thing. Yes. But anyway, he says that his mom always brought a pecan pie when she went (laughs) to visit someone. And, yeah, we find out that his mom was a little chatterbox. His mom's name is Enid. And so uh, Emmett picked up that trait from her. (laughs) But really, Emmett and his pecan pie are actually there to discuss Vic's upcoming court appearance. When I saw Emmett, um, because we saw him walking down the alley, but I didn't know where he was headed to. And then when we saw Vic, I was like, oh, this is going to be a touching scene. Because like we got last time, anytime you see Emmett and Vic together, it's a serious scene. They're touching on some serious topics. And so I was like, I was so ready to hear what this was going to be about. Because, I mean, we never just see Emmett pop up on Uncle Vic like that. So I just like, oh, I can't wait. What is it going to be about this time? Yeah. So Emmett asks what's going on with it. And Vic tells him that he plans to plead guilty. And Emmett says, please don't. And uh, Vic's like, it's got nothing to do with you. Just leave it alone. And Emmett says, you're wrong. It has everything to do with me, with all of us. Mm-hmm. By not fighting it, you're letting them get away with it. Yeah. And so basically, he's saying exactly what Justin was saying, but Emmett's a little older. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe... He can break through to Uncle Vic a little more. Yeah. He can re- relate to him a little more. Yeah. But it's the truth, though. We've already said it. If you don't stand up, you're literally telling them it's okay to continue to do this and target us. Yeah. Because, yes, it's about you and it's your life and your case but it's not just about you yeah no it's not this fight is bigger than you mm-hmm. well so Vic tells him I'm sick and Emmett says well yeah and you're also innocent and Vic says you know but who cares about that the cops don't you know the the district attorney doesn't he's like I at this point I really don't right and Emmett says well you know I would hope I was hoping that you that you, you did you care, would care you would care and Vic tells him that I don't he just wants it over so we can have peace and Emmett says as a registered sex offender. And, and that like, strikes a well, nerve. Yeah, he's like, Shh, don't don't say it out loud. Don't broadcast it. Well, everyone's going to know. That's, yeah. a, that's public records. Public records. That's mm-hmm. for everyone to know. You will be carrying that jacket for the rest of your life. Yeah. And Vic says, well, you know, well, fine, I'll just have to live with it. But Emmett isn't going to give up so easily. Be- because this is important to Emmett. And no matter what Vic says, he knows that it's important to Vic as well. So Emmett tells him a story about Mr. Pettigrew from his hometown. He was a teacher who was accused of exposing himself to a student. And he didn't do it. The kid was just mad because he got flunked by the teacher. and But the guy just kind of accepted, accepted what they said against him, accepted the charges, I guess. He went away to live with his sister and he died a few years later. And he says that he didn't want his name on his tombstone because he said it was worthless. And then Emmett just leaves Uncle Vic to... Think about that. Yeah, he basically did a mic drop. I mean, that was powerful. Yeah. That just little I didn't want to I didn't want my name on a tombstone because my name was worthless. Right. All you have in this life is your name. That's a guarantee, you know. Yeah. And it's what you're gonna leave on is that name, you know. So it what people are gonna think about you. And that was just powerful to me. And I yeah. he just left it like marinate on that, you yeah. know, like mic drop, like I said my piece, you do what you want with this information. Mm-hmm. And it was it was beautiful. So over at the loft, Justin is helping Brian pack a suitcase and he says, you know, don't go. You can't go. Um, What are you going to do without me? And Brian's like, I don't know. I guess I'll survive. Justin kind of smiles a bit because he's trying to 
I guess, come to terms with this. And uh, he says, you know, I doubt it. And he says, well, what about me? And Brian says, I'm sure you'll be fine. And he tells him, you'll fight. You'll do what you should have done. You'll meet some Twinkie at your own age. And Justin's like, what do I want with some kid who doesn't know anything? Some young kid who doesn't know anything. And Brian has no response for that. And probably because that's a question that could be asked of him. Yeah, absolutely. It's not necessarily because he's embarrassed by the fact that mm-hmm. he is doing whatever with this 18 year old but it's he doesn't want to have to answer that question right. he doesn't want to face the truth of what mm-hmm. his response might be mm-hmm. so justin's getting a little upset just a little emotional and he says you know go take your shower go to new york go to your new life in a year or even less you won't even remember my name you'll just be like what happened to that kid who wouldn't leave me alone who thought he was in love with me he says, if you think of me at all and then brian comes out and says I won't. I won't think of you. When I walk out the door, I don't plan on ever looking back, and I expect you to do the same. And this is another lesson that I think he's trying to teach yeah, Justin. I, I picked that up too. Yeah. I don't, but I don't like that lesson. Like, stop trying to break this boy's heart, this boy's little heart. Stop trying to always teach him that life is not what you always expect. You yeah. know, it's gonna be twists and turns. Like, stop that. Yeah. Well, Brian teaches him according to what he believes and what his reality is, and that doesn't always fit on Justin. That doesn't always work for him. And the other thing is, I do think that in Brian's mind, he thinks that he won't think of Justin, but he's going to think of Justin. I don't think he realizes how deep that first cut is. Yeah, no, seriously. And then the other side of it is, I think that he won't let himself think about Justin because he won't, he'll want to, but he doesn't want to. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it it, it definitely makes sense. But I think it's, I just want to have a little more empathy when it comes to Justin's emotions. Yeah. Justin is very clear and open about exactly how he feels. He laid everything out on the table and this dude every day is knocking the plate off the table. You know, like stop it. Like it's just hurtful at this point now. He does um, go over to him and he kind of caresses his face and he pulls him into a very tight embrace and Justin is like gripping him hard. You can see the marks Mm -hmm. on Brian's back because for Justin, for all intents and purposes, this is a breakup basically. But then you see that on Brian's face that it's possible he feels a little more than what he's let on. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be that easy for him to just walk out the door and not look back. Right. Uh, I don't think he's, you know, he's firm and in some ways you could say it's harsh, but I think he's not intentionally trying to be mean. He's trying to convey that whatever was going on between them has run its natural course. Then just say that. Yeah. Don't be an ass about it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, there's there's a wrong and a right way to love somebody. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he definitely doesn't know what the right way is because, yeah, he's all weird about the love stuff. Yeah. And like you were saying, anytime emotions happen, he never lets them come through. He never feels them. Yeah. He always try to shut them out. I think, yeah, I think he just doesn't know how to, and not making excuses for him, but I really think he doesn't, he doesn't recognize a lot of what he's feeling. He right. doesn't know what that is or what to do with it. Or it just scares him. And yeah. he doesn't want to be vulnerable. So mm-hmm. only way he knows how is to be sarcastic and to lash out. Even that whole scene, I think he's trying to convince himself to swallow his own words. Right. So then we go over and we see Ted and Blake and they're out interview suit shopping. And Blake is feeling good and looking good. Uh, they're getting him a new suit for his mm-hmm. for his job interviews. And what is with this sheer curtain dressing room in the middle of the store? <laughs> I have no idea. It's sheer curtain in the middle of the dressing room. I mean, there's no privacy at all. No. And then the store has a million windows. So not only are the people who are in the store shopping, you know, getting a little glimpse of you, you yeah. know, the whole silhouette. So you better have on some tight 
underwear. But then the, the people on the street get to see the view as well. Like, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. But they're in a nice store. I'm very proud of Ted taking him, you know, to the upscales. To the upscales. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this curtain is sheer just for the audience's benefit or if it's just like legit like that in the store. But anyway, <laughs> um, Ted is so happy and um, to be there with Brett, with Blake and to celebrate his progress and to help him continue on this new, new journey. journey. Yeah, yeah. It's new paths, mm-hmm. new journey. And uh, that they're building together. Yeah, they are. And so they're having them a little uh, playtime in the in the dressing room there in the middle of the store. And the sales lady comes over and I like her. She's just like, you know, they're happy. I'm just going to leave them. Mm-hmm. Be. <laughs> She's super cool. And, you know, it it has to be said that here um, an obvious sex act is being committed in the middle of the store. And then we have Vic, who was just peeing in a public restroom and is being accused of indecent exposure. Oh my God, I didn't think of that. Yeah, but it just comes down to the person who sees them, like this was a woman who wasn't bothered by it, who thought it was cute that they were so in love and so happy versus a homophobic cop trying to entrap him in the bathroom. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you for saying that. I missed that. Uh, I mean, I, I I didn't miss it, but I didn't put two and two together. So, I mean, I love that. Uh, so speaking of that situation, we go over to the courtroom and Vic is there pacing nervously um, as Mel brings over the police report and Vic is reading it. And it's even worse than what they initially accused him of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael, Debbie and Emmett are there in support. And Mel he, and Vic says, you know, this didn't happen. This isn't true. And Mel's like, are you sure? You might have forgotten what happened. And at first, I'm like, Melanie. I know. I was <laughs> like, like, but you know what? She needs to know. Like, she's got to know. Are you 100 percent sure? Yeah. We're gonna go down this road. Right. Yeah. She's like, if we're gonna jump into this fight, we need all the facts straight. Yeah. I don't want to be blindsided at all. Yeah. But Vic tells her, "I was there. I know." And so then the judge is ready, and they need they're needing to enter a plea. And Vic says not guilty, and then Emmett says, "You know, thank God, mm-hmm. he got through to him." Uh, so then they go back to the Novotnys, and Vic is like feeling strong and looking strong. You know? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. He's just not gonna let them them win, and he's like, "Put me on the sand. I'll tell them what happened." And. Uh, then they say, you know, it'll be Vic's word against theirs, is what Melanie tells them. But Vic's going to face it. So Vic is geared up for uh, for battle. And then, of course, Vic starts thinking about how much that's going to cost. And Mel <laughs> says that she'll take the case pro bono. And Debbie is so hilarious. Yeah. She, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, Bono I just, the singer? <laughs> I just love her, okay? Like, yeah. she's a good mom. Okay? Yeah. But um, Michael tells her, no, that means free. And uh, (laughs) Debbie says, well, we insist on paying. And then Mel tells them that they can pay in babysitting. And Debbie says, we accept. And and Sunshine can help. (laughs) And and Justin's like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, because he's spaced out. But he does tell Vic that he's glad he decided to fight. Mm -hmm. Um, Then he leaves and goes upstairs. And Mel asks, what's wrong with him? And Deb says, well, Brian's moving to New York, and it's the end of the world as as Justin knows it. Right, and in that scene right there, you can see that Brian hasn't told everyone, you know, because Mel had no idea. Right, you know, uh, she had no idea that he was even moving which at all. Like nothing, which means Lindsay, mm-hmm. Lindsay does not know, and he's the father of Gus. You yeah. know, so I bet Mel has very mixed emotions, like you know, happy, sad, like okay, well, I'm getting him out of my life finally, but damn, what does this mean for Gus and Lindsay? You know, yeah. so it's a little tricky situation. Uh, before we get to deal with any of that, Michael goes upstairs to 
to talk to Justin. And again, this is where we get to see, you know, Michael's good qualities. Finally. <laughs> we see his good qualities on everybody else, but never when it comes to Justin. Right. And finally, I was so happy. Like, I mean, there was no little shady comments. He was literally there to make Justin feel good. Yeah, just to check on him, yeah. So he goes up and he's like, hey, you know he's not moving to New York. And Justin says, well, he's talking like he is. And he flew this morning for an interview. And Michael says, you know, it's just a meeting. And then he says, I've known him a lot longer than you have. Which he probably didn't have to slip that in there. But but this is Michael. So, you know. (laughs) He says, you may go on and on about how much he hates Pittsburgh, but he would never leave. And then Justin says, well, why is he putting up the loft? And Michael was shook. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He was shook because he thought, you know, Brian's not going to go through with this. But if he really put in the loft up then that means, you know, he's really, really entertaining this thought. He's like, this could actually be happening. Mm -hmm. And Justin tells him, well, we should should try to stop him. And then Michael's (laughs) like, yeah, right. Yeah, like, who have you tried trying to stop Brian before? Because you know it's never going to happen. And Justin says, well, we can't just let him leave. And then Michael, again, says something good and, and mature here. He says, everyone has the right to decide how they want to live their life. And he tells Justin that he's a perfect example of that. It's like, you decided to leave your home. And no one would have been able to change your mind. Right. And Justin says, well, I I love him, Michael. Like, And he just like gets real with him. He's like, I know that you think I'm just young and immature and foolish, but I, I do love him, Michael. And Michael says, I know. And that's all the more reason why you have to let him go. And so Justin says, well, you must not care very much. If you can just say that that easily, you must not care. And then Michael says, well, I care more than you'll ever know. And we all know that. Yeah. Uh, so then Michael is laying in bed and he gets a wake up call from Dr. David. It's the middle of the night. And Dr. David was um up. And <laughs> very up, we will say. Extremely up. Yeah. And uh, it's just a lot happening on this phone call between the two of them. It was hot. Okay. It was really, really hot. I love how the scene was shot with them both just kind of laying Dr. David in boxers. Michael, you have the imagination because the covers are just covering him just right. You know, he's just kind of waking up, lounging in the bed. Um, it was it was it was a hot, it was a fun, flirty scene. I loved it. Every minute of it. I I don't know. For me, it was like I felt like I was um I almost felt like, you know, we had had a Zoom meeting earlier in the day and they forgot to turn off their Zoom camera. Oh, Lord. Because <laughs> I felt like I shouldn't be watching this. Right, no. Yeah, it, it, it got it got rough. And you could tell that Dr. David, that wasn't his first time doing some phone sex. Like, he was amazing with it. All that heavy, deep breathing. I mean, he was so direct in his orders. Like, I loved it. It was good to me. Uh, yeah, I found myself just kind of like leaning away from the screen. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to watch Girl, this. I'm patting you on the arm. Like, <laughs> shut up. Oh, my God. Yeah. So back at the loft, Brian is um, back in town. And Lindsay is there with guilt. I mean, Gus on her. <laughs> she's upset because Brian didn't tell her about New York. Um, and he says he would have sent her a change of address. Why do you think he didn't tell her? Because he already knew that she probably was the only one that was going to be able to get through to him. He he definitely listens to her. He knew that she wasn't going to let just sit there and take it. She was definitely going to, you know, give him reasons why he should stay. 
um, period. You know, and that's what she did. She hit him over the head with everybody here who cares for you. You up and up and you running and you're leaving. For one, you didn't even tell me or discuss it with me. You have a child here who you said you wanted to be a part of the child's life, you know. But, I mean, you're running away. You're chasing some type of career when you're already the big dog here and you got your family here. Yeah. You know, maybe not your real blood, but we're family, you know, mm -hmm. and this is what you're doing. You're always trying to chase the next big, the next big thing. And I think he just wanted to run. Telling Lindsay... He couldn't run from that. Yeah, I definitely think that's what it is. And we'll get into their uh, what they say, but I want to say this while I'm thinking about it. But I definitely think, yes, part of it is Brian wanting to advance in his career. He's very career driven and he wants to be the best at what he's done. Well, what he does. And so I do think that's part of it, but I do think that he is running away mm -hmm. from a lot of other stuff. And I'll get into that. You'll have to remind me too in okay. a minute. So Brian tells Lindsay that it was just a meeting. And then she says, well, you said that the interview in your resume went over well. And then Brian tells her that their office was great and the guys there were smart and they're all hot. And he says it's like a totally different league. And Lindsay says, you're just going to abandon your son. Uh, and I wanted to say, he ain't seen that baby in weeks, girl. <laughs> that Quit part, it. okay. <laughs> you just had to throw that in there, you know. Quit it. Yeah, but I'm here for her, though, because she knows what to say. Yes, she knows she exactly does. what no, to say. What to say. But anyway, uh, even Brian, he tells her, don't start with the guilt. And then <laughs> he takes Gus from her. And he's basically he's telling her about, like, all the things that he could do with Gus in New York. Um, but Lindsay's, like, that not listening her to off. any of that. Yeah, yeah it mm -hmm. pisses her off. Like, I can, the things you just said, I can do that for my son. Right. You know, but that I won't replace my, yeah. you actually being exactly. a part of his life. He tells her, if I stay here, I'll go out of my mind or who knows what I'll become. And then she says, probably who you are now, only older. And that he's like, nope. Yeah, mm -hmm. that did strike a nerve. And then she says, what's wrong with that? It happens to all of us. And he's like, not me. I want to become something different, something new. And I think the issue is Brian has a very limited idea or understanding of what that should look like. You yeah. Know? Yeah, because you were talking about family. Like, that's important. Brian didn't grow up with family being anything important or anything you sacrifice for. Right. You know, um, and so. Something new to him is. A new job, a new city, a new car. Right. You know? But what Lindsay tells him is, you already do that here. Yeah, yeah. a different guy every night, a different bar, um, a different account. You already have that life. So yeah. you're going to go there and I guess you can pretend to be 27 for three more years. Mm -hmm. You're still going to turn 30 even in that imaginary world. Absolutely. But she's like, you're going to go there and do the same thing. Basically, what you think you're going to find there. You're not going to find it. Yeah. You already have it here. Yeah. She says going to New York won't change anything. Yeah. You'll have a different loft, work for a different firm, go to different bars and clubs, but different doesn't make it better. And then she makes what can seem like an interesting leap. She says, when are you going to figure out that Justin really does love you, even if he's young? Mm -hmm. um, and she says, you know, at your age, that, that's probably a good thing. And then she <laughs> says, you know, Michael would give up his life for you and I love you, too. And so she was talking about you're trying to chase something new and different. When are you going to understand that this is a... These are the core people in this your is life a, who's fighting for right, you. And this is a life, too. Being with these people who love you, loving yes. them back, letting them love you, like... That's a life worth living, too. Absolutely. And like I said, that's just something he doesn't understand because Jack and Joan did a number on the poor yeah. guy. Oh. Yeah. And we know Miss Joan is still a mess to this day. Yeah. She cold as ice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so real connection and um, family, th those are just not things that he's familiar with. And so mm -hmm. he can't imagine building a life that's centered around right. those things. Yeah. And then she tells him. 
Well, she asks him, you think you'll find that on Madison Avenue? <laughs> Doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we see Ted and Blake, uh, and they are going to, in for Blake's first day. And Ted tells him, don't be nervous. And just a little something there. They're at the door for the firm Melanie works at. And apparently she did make partner at some point because her, her name's name. on the plate yep. there. Because uh, I know in the pilot, I think it was a deleted scene. She was up for partner, but they didn't give it to her. They gave it to some man. But mm. I guess she eventually showed right. them enough. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so that means they shouldn't have any more money issues, right? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't. Okay, but I'm also gonna... Lindsay got back to work, so they're they're, they're good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that alone. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, so Ted is way more nervous than Blake is, and Melanie's looking a little nervous too because she's putting her neck out there. You Girl, know? I was shaking. I was thinking like she's a true friend because there ain't no way when we know this boy only been clean what oh, two weeks max. Yeah, you know? there's no way I'm bringing him into a professional setting with my name on the door. Yeah, you know, and introducing him to people who whose name is on the door as well with mine. And you want me to bring him on and do professional work? Like, no. Like, I mean, I need more than 14 days, you know, for some sobriety. Like, I mean, I'm going to need a good stretch of time. So, yeah, I'll be nervous, too. I couldn't believe she even did this. Yeah, but uh, but they did. And Blake wants them to relax. He's like, I got it. I'm going to go and press the pants off of them. So, over at the Novotny. And why you got to impress the pants off? Well, I don't know, but... Ted said, if anybody can do it, Blake can. Yeah. (laughs) Then over at the Novotny's, Vic is there and a little bit of that uh, strength he had before seems to have drained from him. And he's sitting there talking to to Debbie while she's in the kitchen washing dishes. And he says, you know, it'll be my word against his, you know, against the, the officers. And he says, why should they believe me? And Deb says, because you're telling the truth. Stop acting so guilty. Vic says, maybe I am. And let me just say, this whole scene just breaks my heart. Broke for my Vic. Heart. Um, I love that because we see him being like the sarcastic kind of, oh, that's my old silly Uncle Vic. We see him being that, but there's some depth and some wisdom to him, but also we just get to see just him stripped down and raw. Yeah, in this scene. that's exactly what it was. He was stripped down and raw and he was just open and honest. Yeah. Okay. So I'll keep going here. So, like I said, Debbie says, um, you're telling the truth. Stop acting so guilty. And he says, maybe I am. I wanted to go with him. And Debbie asks, you know, since when was that a crime? And he says, well, when it's a cop. And uh, I think this is a very deep scene because so many people feel this way, that what they naturally desire is considered a crime mm-hmm. and they deserve to be punished for it. And I know for a while it was a real punishable crime. Hell, in some countries, it's still a crime like Exactly, exactly. And so Vic says, at my age and with what I've got, to think that someone would find me desirable, talk about pathetic. And it just breaks my heart to hear him say that. Yeah, that broke my heart. And clearly it affected Debbie in a negative way as well. Yeah, she's heard enough. And she whips around. She's like, you are not pathetic and you will not talk about yourself that way. And Vic tells her, you know, I look in the mirror and I don't even recognize myself. I still imagine that I'm like Brian, that I can walk into any bar and have almost any guy I want. And he says, and I had plenty. Um, But now instead, I see a tired older man uh, who measures his life from a pill bottle. 
Um, nobody wants him. He says he can't even remember being touched or wanted. And that's just so oh, sad. It's sad. Yeah. Because he does have so much to offer. But that's how he views himself, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the disease. Yeah. And like we were saying, I think we said a couple of earlier episodes when we were speaking about Vic. You know, back then, being diagnosed with AIDS and HIV, it was like a death sentence. Like, I mean, you say that and it's almost like you have to play. You know, people step yeah. back away from you. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad that he has to go through that. And he feels that way about himself. Yeah. And... I, I like how they are destigmatizing AIDS with Vic's character on this show, but also they're reminding us that it's no bed of roses and mm-hmm. it is a you know serious thing that can really affect your life and how people see you, you know? Because uh, AIDS really has stolen and changed a lot of, of his life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that cop probably recognized that. And so he basically preyed on Yes, Vic, he did. You know? um, and Vic says that the worst part of it was because of his desperation uh it made him believe that guy right and he's like how foolish of me how stupid of like, me why to would believe he choose that he want me? me yeah, yeah. Oh, that right yeah. there was heartbreaking and you know debbie's heart is broken because she just hugs him you know debbie's always got something to say mm-hmm. you know but she in this had, moment she was speechless yeah she just hugged him she knew he needed to say that he needed to get that out and she just let him uh, then at Woody's with uh, Emmett, Michael, and Ted, a guy walks by and they're all checking him out. And, uh, well, Emmett's the only one who can do something about it. He's the only one <laughs> single at this point. <laughs> and he says, you know, with Brian out of the way, he's basically next in line. Like, now he stands a chance. And Mike- Michael says, you don't sound like you'll miss him. And Emmett says, well, I won't miss being told to get lost. And Ted won't miss uh, the jokes about his age. And then they all just, like, talk about you know, all the junk they won't miss about Brian. But then it comes around and they say, you know, I won't miss how he never takes crap from anyone or how he tells you the truth about yourself, even if you, even if it's a tad harsh and how he refuses to let you coast through your life. And so we see like, even when Brian is a jerk to them, they can see the good qualities and they understand why he's doing that. Right. You know, he's always, he's that friend that's definitely going to push you. He's going to make you think he's not going to let you just, coast and guide through life he's definitely gonna give you a run for your money so i mean you need that type of friend what kind of what what, yeah. what kind of why are you my friend if you're not adding to my life right know? so yeah his way of sharpening them is uh or challenging them might be a bit rough yeah, he's but... Cutting them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they yeah they see the good in him too uh back at the loft brian is taking a shower while justin is looking at apartment rentals in new york and so this shows us that Justin is adjusting to the situation. He doesn't like the idea of Brian leaving. He doesn't want him to leave. But he's like, okay, if this is what's happening, then he's accepting this reality, uh, accepting Brian's choice. So he is, like I said, he's looking at apartment riddles and he is just as disgusted by the prices of apartments and closets in New York as I am. (laughs) (laughs) And Brian tells him that he'll be able to afford two, three times that, you know, when he's when he gets the job. Uh, so then he gets a phone call from Adam Lyons with Kennedy and Collins mm-hmm. in New York. And Brian's excited. He answers the phone. He's got a little bit of a smile on his face. We don't see a whole lot of, like, real smiles right. from Brian. Usually there's, like, a smirk or something like that. But he's got a small little smile. Because he knows it's a shoe in Yeah, he's excited about this. And he's like, all right, what's the deal? And Adam tells him that they decided to promote from within a 25-year-old hotshot, even younger than Adam. Yeah. So that is like a blow to Brian. Yeah. And he pretends to shake it off. And he says, after weighing my options, I decided to go with someone else. Now, as he says that, he kind of glances over to the right mm-hmm. a little bit over his shoulder. 
in Justin's direction. Now, are we to notice that in... Well, I think that he glances over because he probably don't want to know if Justin is ear hustling for one. <laughs> and if he's picked, because Justin's smart, so he can kind of pick up on, you know, the dialogue that Brian's giving off. Although he can't hear what Adam's saying, you know, Brian is very careful in his words, you know. Um, so, and also maybe, you know, he chose to go with someone else. That's the fallback plan that he's actually going to keep Justin, you know. But as we already know that he doesn't even mention it, though. He doesn't, yeah. yeah, he does not even mention that, you know, he has to, he's been turned down. Well, I feel like Gail is too good of an actor, definitely like a face actor, and he understands Brian way too well to mislead us right. in that moment. So him looking over there, I think it's it's reluctant in a way because he's like, well, crap, I guess I got to deal with whatever this yeah, situation is, yeah. you know? Uh, and because like we said, I think it was evident in that last episode, King of Babylon episode at the very end, uh-huh. when they're looking at each other across the booth and... I think Brian's realizing, okay, I got some feelings towards you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. Like, I think they've been there, but at that point, it's like, I got to do something with these feelings. Yeah, now he, he <laughs> Which I think is him, part yeah. of the reason why he's running off to New York, because of those he feelings. He don't want to address yeah, those feelings. Yeah, but he it's like what Lindsay told him, hey, he really does love you. You're going to have to deal with that. You mm-hmm. know, decide how you're going to respond to that. Um, think about how you feel about that. <laughs> And so, yeah, I I think when he says, I decided to go with someone else, he's like, okay, well, then I guess I got to figure out what my life's going right. to look like uh-huh. with, with him. him. And not just him, but with the rest of the friends and family mm-hmm. also. So after he tells um, Adam that, you know, he's going with someone else, Adam says, well, great. Now I don't feel so bad. Give me a call the next time you're in the city. I'd love to hook up again. And Brian's like, yeah, sure. When And we know that ain't going to happen. Never. <laughs> no. Brian doesn't do doubles. So then, Doctor. So then, Doctor David has made it home, and he says, "You know, he had a good time with Hank. They had a good talk. He's not going to quit the hockey team. He's he's going to see a therapist." And he said that he just hung out with them. He they did, and I think that's what Hank wanted and needed. So yeah. So Doctor David learned because remember last time he he was doing the, too much. Yeah, he had the poor boy running all over Pittsburgh. Yeah, but, and yeah. that's not what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Doctor David needed to say needed to just slow down and listen to the boy. Yeah. And see what he really, what really, what he really wanted, you know, and what sits with his heart. All he wants to do is just be close to a man, you know, mm-hmm. just get to know his father. You don't have to like buy me, buy my love, taking me all to these different places. We're going to do this and that. We're going to do that. No. Why can't we just hang out? Let's go get some comic books. Let's get some food. Let's chill. Yeah. You know? Just be here. Yeah. And I think Dr. David realizes that. And he tells Michael, that's why I have to go back. Um, And then... Uh, Michael's like, okay, so when are we going to go? In the summer or whatever? He's like, no, like, right away. He needs me, and it's important that that I'm there. And so Michael's like, well, what about the house? about your practice? You know, your friends here? Basically, your life here in Pittsburgh. And Dr. S- David says that he worked it all out on the plane. And again, I have to bring up the same no, question. Yeah, girl, he don't ever discuss shit. Yeah, I mean, because they are living together. Like, they're building a life together. And... I get it. This is Dr. David's son. He had that situation before he got with Michael, but I just I feel like that should have been a conversation between the two of it them. It should have, especially when I didn't give up my place to live with you. Yeah. You don't do that. No. And they already got five, six months under their belt. This is not just like a little fling. This is a full-on relationship. Yeah. He didn't met the son already. 
why are you talking about you packing up and do, you didn't work out all the arrangements yeah. without even conversing with me? Yeah, no, like even that's if out you, of line. Even if Dr. David knew what he was going to do, and Michael probably would have agreed with it, but I just... You should have ran it I by him. As your partner, I would have liked to be included in the discussion. Yes, absolutely. You know? I find it, again, disrespectful. Yeah. So he says, well, I got everything worked out. You know, somebody's going to take my practice. I can lease the house. I, they can give me referrals. You know, uh, Laura's got friends. They're in Portland. Give me referrals. Give me clients. And he's like, I got it all figured out except for one thing. And then Michael's like, oh, don't worry about me. I understand it's your son. You've got to be there. Uh, he comes first. And I do like what Dr. David says. He says, um, it's not a race, Michael. Mm-hmm. It's not about who comes first. Like, you're both important to me. And he tells Michael that he wants him to come with him. So, pretty big question. That's huge. But, <laughs> yeah. ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot to swallow. Big pill. Yeah. So, we go back to the courtroom and Melanie is telling the DA there that the cop accusing Vic of indecent exposure has lied and exaggerated at least four other times. Four times before. And each time resulted in a mistrial. And she's like, look, we can save a lot of time and money <laughs> for yeah. the, the county if we just get rid of this. And then she says, well... Clearly, he has a problem with gay people and that Vic was entrapped by this officer. Um, And so the DA asks Vic, is that right? Is what she's saying? Is that true? And he says, look, I know I've done a lot of things, but not that. And he said, though, I may not have much left. My health, my youth, my friends are all gone. Mm -hmm. um, But I still have my name and I will fight to defend it. He looks over at Emmett when he says that. Loved it. Yeah. And we pick up a little bit from Vic's backstory in these scenes with him that he was basically the Brian of his yeah. friend group. And mm-hmm. I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah, I can too. You can see yeah. he's a leader. Yeah, you can see he's a leader. And you can, like, just the way that he even still jokes about Justin or just other guys. Like, you can tell if he saw something he wanted, he would go. Yeah, he was going to get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he was definitely going to go, gonna for, go it. for it. He was going to go for it, yeah. Um, and then here he says, you know, I lost all my friends because, you know, a lot of them probably were affected by AIDS or whatever. Right. So, um, yeah, we learn a lot about... Vic's backstory, um, I do like the time that we get to spend with Mm -hmm. him and learning about him. Then we go over to the movie theater with Michael and Brian, and they are getting stoned in the balcony while watching some bad movie, I'm sure. (laughs) And uh, we find out this is something that they did often on Saturdays when they were younger. And this movie theater is being torn down. And uh, Michael says, you know, when this place is gone, uh, a part of us will be gone too. Mm -hmm. It's like the end of an era. (laughs) And he says the last time, uh, this will be the last time that you and I are here in this place together because, you know, you'll be in New York. And Brian says, yeah, and you'll be in Portland. We'll be on opposite ends of the universe. And so, you know, like I said, Brian hasn't told any of yeah, them yet. Yeah, he not tell anyone yet. Yeah. You, do you think he hasn't told them because he's embarrassed that he got turned down? Because think, it would be different if he was offered a position and then he declined it. I do think so. I think that's at least a little bit of it. But also, I think... He's trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do? Like, now what am I going right. to do? You know, he hasn't quit his job or anything like that, but it's just like... Well, clearly he wants some type of change, but the change he's he looking does. for didn't happen. So right. how does he, you know, I think this, this whole work? season he's been... He hasn't voiced it until this point when the carrot was dangled in front of him, but I think he's been wanting something different and something new since we met him in the start of this season. But yeah, and so if it's not going to be New York... I think that's a little bit embarrassing for him mm-hmm. because they're used to Brian being on top and Brian succeeding. Right. And so I think it would be a little bit embarrassing. But also, I think he doesn't tell Michael 
especially in this conversation. Um, well, let's get into that. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Because he doesn't tell Michael. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't tell Michael because, for one, he knows Michael has a big decision. And if he tells Michael, that's definitely going to alter his decision on whether he's going to go or, or stay here right. in Pittsburgh. So I know that's why he didn't tell Michael in that moment. But he still hasn't told Justin. He hasn't told anybody. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, I do think he's em- embarrassed by it a little bit because that looks like a failure on his yes. part. Yes, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so uh, Michael tells him, you know, I didn't say I was going, and Brian says, "Well, you should." And Michael says, "Well, I'm not like you. I can't just wake up and decide that mm-hmm. I'm going. Uh, that it's time to move on. No looking back. No regrets." And Brian says, well, "There's nothing here for you." And he's like, "Why would you stay?" Like. You know, Brian just like cannot fathom that there would be anything yeah. tying him to Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. You yeah. don't have family here. Yeah, and you Michael. Yeah, looks, you don't have friends here, Michael. What is keeping you <laughs> well, here in Pittsburgh? Michael looks at him like he's crazy, and he says, "It's my home, and even though it's not New York, it's all I know." And then Brian says, "Well, maybe it's time to know something else, Michael. You're not 15 anymore." And, yeah, I'm just shady. <laughs> And, um, but in a way, this is him doing what Michael said he does. He, he He's not letting Michael coast through his life. Yeah, I, I Because I here's a chance for you to do something different, for you to, you know, step continue on in this relationship. Zone. Yeah, step out of your comfort zone, out of everyone else's shadow, and do your own thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I can agree. Yes, yes, yes. I, I just hate the way he says it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Brian tells him, go with David. Get out of here. And he kisses him. Yeah, but I guess we do get to see here that Brian's over his whole David thing. You know, I think he still doesn't think that David is the best match for him. Right. But, but it's like, that's the relationship in the you're in. Like, go for it. So to anyone who might be saying Brian's still trying to interfere with their relationship, no, that time so. is long past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I think all. pretty much after that birthday party, he was just like, whatever. That's what yeah. he wants. Okay. True. Just, just, and, he tells Dr. David, just don't hurt him. Yeah. And if he really wanted to get rid of David, he could have told him about the bass. But no. I don't think he's interfering at all. No, I don't either. Uh, So then Blake comes home from his first day at work, and he says it was great. They were nice. Mel took him to lunch. And Ted is just proud and happy. And even Blake says he's proud of himself. And, um, you know, they're just so cute. And we get to see a happy Ted, not a cynical or self-deprecating Ted. He's just happy and in love and it looks good on him it looks really good on him it's a side that we never get to see yeah and it looks so good on him i mean this whole episode he had a bright shining smile on his face you mm-hmm. know you could see the different energy he's on more his confident spirit. yes he he's, is yeah he this is all ted's best life mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so blake is stripping down getting ready to go take a shower because they have to go somewhere together and so blake's gonna go take a shower did and you then catch the break blake gave us a little sneaky peek uh like, he boop, did boop, boop. <laughs> i loved it that's all I needed. What a side view. Um, and so Ted's going to join him. But before he can do that, you know, his neuroses are going to make him fold <laughs> Blake's clothes. So he's doing that, you know, folding his trousers and his jacket. And out of the pocket falls some crystal. crystal. Yeah. Mm. And I am immediately that Tyra Banks meme. Like, I was rooting for yes. you, Blake. But, you know, I'm still not writing Blake off completely because I know how hard and serious addiction is, especially crystal meth addiction. But it's just like, dang. And you see it on Ted's face. He is just crushed. Yeah, he's crushed. Yeah. You can see the hurt all over him. 
everything just comes crashing down on him when he finds that. Because he has so many questions. Like, you have been going through the motions with me, saying that you are clean, that you've been staying away for this stuff. I have been believing you. Yeah. So what else are you not telling me? You know, right. when can I believe you? Right. You know, and how long has this used? been going yeah, on? Exactly. Like, and then, okay, he has that. Ball. Did you just get that? Have you already opened it? Right. Like, a lot. Are you selling this to get extra money? Like, or is this for your own personal use? Like, what is it? So many questions yeah. that needs to be asked. Yeah, but in that moment, he just, he just like doesn't even address it. He can't, can't do anything because I think it just, I think it just crushed him, and just shocked him so severely that he just, he didn't even know how to respond right. in that moment. So then we go over to the restaurant, and the gang has gathered to celebrate Vic's exoneration. And, um, you know, because Vic was brave and he stood up to defend his name and they, he tells them that it was because of the story that Emmett told him about Mr. Pettigrew. And Debbie says, oh, no, not one of his Southern Gothic horror stories. <laughs> and uh, Emmett says, all of my stories are true. If they're not, they should be. <laughs> but, uh, but whether the story was true or not, it struck a chord with yeah. Vic and it gave him... That push that he yeah. Need, yeah, needed to stand up for himself, to defend his name. And I'm glad he did it. Me too. I mean, that was an excellent story. I don't care if it was real or fake. I felt it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot going on at this table as the whole Liberty Avenue gang has gathered. And there always is. Anytime they're all together, like, there's a whole lot of dynamics going yes. on. Um, so Blake is trying to get Ted to, to leave. So they do. They get up to leave. And then there's just like... They're celebrating a lot at the table. Melanie and Lindsay are back together, yes. and they're they're all kissy together. <laughs> and um, Vic is happy, and Deb is happy, and so so then Michael's happy, and Doctor David is seeing this, uh, and he's just Doctor David is watching this whole family and how they come together to support each other, mm-hmm. and he's just thinking about all the connections between them, the love between them, and, and how that would affect Michael if he you removed right, him from like the he'd equation. be taking Michael from that, uh-huh. and so. He gets up and just kind of needs to step away for a minute. And then uh, Lindsay asks Brian, she says, well, they want you to start right away. And Melanie and Justin, they're all kind of talking to, to Brian there. Because like we said, Brian hasn't told anyone that the job fell through. Um, and Lindsay tells him, you know, call every once in a while. And Justin says, like, that'll happen. <laughs> and then but Lindsay says, don't make us always have to call you. Because they've all just like come to terms with, okay, this is what Brian's going to do. But then he just snaps and he's like, why don't you all just shut up? He's like, yeah. I need a cigarette. And then he stands up and he stumbles. You can tell he's He's, he's drunk. been drinking. Yeah, yes. he's been drinking. And we know when Brian's drinking heavy like that, something's going on. Yep. Um, And he just... He's clearly overreacting also. And they all notice that. And they're kind of just like, what is that about? Uh, So then Michael goes to find Dr. David. And Dr. David tells him, you're lucky. You've got a lot of friends and family here. And you'd have to leave all that behind if you came with me. And then Michael's like, yeah, it's a huge decision. And Dr. David says, well, he wants him to think about it. He wants to give him time to think about it. And he says, you know, I'll be upset if you don't come, but I'll understand and Brian is watching this exchange and um, Michael just looks at him and tells him, I've decided I want to go. And then <laughs> Dr. Davis says, are you sure? And Michael's like, no. Oh. <laughs> um, but then they, because this is going to be something new and totally different for him, yes. you know, for Michael. And so, but he wants to do this because he's in love with David and David's needed in Portland. And so he's going to go. And I think Brian's word, you know, he really listens to Brian, you know, and Brian basically told him, hey, 
not in a nice way, but basically, you only get one life. You're not a child anymore. Get out there and see the world. Be adventurous. This is a man that you care about. And if you're going to be part of his family, you got to be there for him to create this family, you know? And I think it stuck with him. So hopefully, yeah. he, hopefully he goes. Uh, we don't, we'll see. So Brian is watching them and, uh, I don't think that he's jealous because Dr. David is taking Michael away. I think he might be a touch bothered by the fact that Michael is getting out. And, and he he's isn't. Not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because he he had this job dangled before him and he got his hopes up. And then that was ripped away um, and by someone younger than him. Mm-hmm. And we know how sensitive he is about that. Yeah. So then we just leave it with um, Dr. David and Michael. They're you know, excited about this new journey they're going to go on. And Brian's sitting there and. I guess trying to decide what he's going to do. You know, if he's not going to go to New York and he's not going to pursue that life, then what is he going to do here in Pittsburgh? Because the truth is, every day he is getting older. And um, what are you going to dedicate your life to? What's your life going to be about? So true. I mean, yeah, it got to be a little scary for him. He doesn't have that family connection. He is single, you know, like he hasn't done anything, anything different. You know, he hasn't switched it up. The only thing different he's ever done is mess with Justin. You know, Justin is something that he normally would have never done. Right. You know, bringing him back around for second round, third rounds, and he's part of the group. And that's the only thing different that he's done. So, I mean, I see where he's coming from. He's nervous. He's scared. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the things that Brian has been running from are catching up to him. He's been running from any type of emotional connection or attachment. Well, that's catching up to him Mm -hmm. he's been running from have any responsibility or obligation to anyone but himself and you know now he's got gus and because of gus that Lindsay, and um so just a lot of the stuff that he has always tried to avoid he can't avoid that anymore and i think what's even scarier to him is that there's a part of him that doesn't want to avoid it right so yeah he's growing up he is growing up and he's got a lot to think about and we'll see in the next episode Mm -hmm. what he decides on well, that was a lot. It was a fun episode, too. It was a good setup for the final, so I can't wait to see what we have up next. Yeah, well, guys, like we always say, like, share, comment, subscribe, libertyonardish.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and also Facebook. Um, like we always say, you already know by now, shoot us your comments. We love to hear from you. Well, until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.